1: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Time now for The Brian Barrett Show on EEI.
2: All right, welcome in. We're with you until midnight. If you want to weigh in on this... Ugly loss for the Celtics, certainly welcome to do so. 617 nine seven ninety three seven is the number. Just another debacle for the Celtics team. The offense has just turned into a complete joke. It's been a joke all season long, but how about tonight? 11 for 22 from three. That's 26.2%. They're shooting 32.7% from three this season. That's 26 of the NBA. And the thing that irritates you more so than anything else, watching the Celtics team, it's as if for some reason they've decided, hey, when I don't have the ball, I'm not going to move. If a Celtic does not have the basketball, unless it's Al Horford or Robert Williams, of course, didn't play tonight, or Ennis Cantor, who played a little bit tonight, unless it's one of the big guys setting a screen, there is legitimately no player movement whatsoever with this team. It's stand around and everybody watch. We mentioned the fact last night they use the second most isolation possessions in the entire NBA and they're horrible in isolation. And here's just another thing that irritates me about this team right now. I understand that the head coach of the team, Ime Adoka, leans defense. And the Celtics have had a really good defense all season long, especially since that debacle against the Bulls. They've been one of the better defenses in the entire league. There's no doubting that whatsoever. So, Ime Adoka, that's his identity. He's a defensive coordinator type, right? That's what he did with the Nets last year. That's what he did with the Spurs for years. That's why Philadelphia hired him a couple of years ago to go on Brett Brown's staff. They wanted him as the defensive coordinator. So, I understand the idea that you want to lean defense. So, that's why Josh Richardson continues to get all these opportunities. Now, Brad Stevens also traded for the guy. I have to imagine part of the reason that Brad Stevens traded for Josh Richardson is Ime Odoka wanted him, right? Because that's something that Brad Stevens pointed out on multiple occasions this offseason, that they're going to be in lockstep. The head coach of the team and the general manager team, they're going to be in lockstep. And I wonder if part of that is the fact that Brad felt like he was left out in the decision-making process as it pertains to Danny Ainge. Maybe that's part of the reason that he wants to communicate with the coach. But clearly they traded for Josh Richardson because they felt that he was this Elite level defender. He's a fine defender. I'm not telling you he's a bad defender, and he was going to be a guy that could at least be a legitimate threat from three point territory. Well, he can't do that. He's one for four tonight from three. You look at him on the season, he's shooting 33% from three. Last year, he shot 33%. The year before that, 34%. He hasn't shot north of 36% from three point territory since the 17 18 season. So this whole idea of him being a 3-and-D guy, he's not a 3-and-D guy. He's a D guy. He's not a 3-and-D guy. That would basically tell you that, okay, if he's a 3-and-D guy, he can shoot threes and he can play defense. Well, he can't shoot threes. So here's the thing that irritates me. I would get it if this Celtics team right now was playing at a high level, right? But after 15 games, they're 7-and-8. They are 7-and-8. They're not a good basketball team. And I get Jalen Brown's been out, et cetera, but the offense stunk when Jalen was on the court as well. Because the reality is you don't have enough shooting on this team. Now, the offense in and of itself, it needs a complete facelift. I don't understand what the game plan is offensively. Like, if you were going to say what the Celtics do offensively, what would it be? I I don't know. They just stand around and do nothing if they don't have the ball. It doesn't make any sense. It seems like there's no rhythm. There's no cohesion to what they're doing from an offensive perspective. There's nothing there. There's no identity whatsoever. So I don't know what Ime Doka is doing when it comes to that and – I wish he would call Mike D'Antoni, who we worked with last year. Now, he can't do that because he's working for the New Orleans Pelicans in some capacity. I wish he would call Mike D'Antoni and get his idea on what to do, right? Because if you have an elite offensive player like Jason Tatum, and I understand he has not had a great season, but tonight he was good, 34 points, 12 of 22, 5 of 12 from three-point territory. He actually played really well. He was efficient tonight, as evident in the numbers. And overall the season, he hasn't been that guy, right? Coming into tonight... Just four of his 14 games had he shot north of 50%. He actually had eight out of his 14 games entering tonight, where he shot less than 40%. Atrocious. But tonight was a night where he actually had it going, etc. But the problem with this team right now, there's not a good state, there's not a stable of players around Tatum and Jalen Brown. That's the issue they have right now. The personnel is not good enough. So if you're sitting there at seven and eight, the Celtics are not playing particularly well. Now, it would be one thing, as I mentioned briefly, if they were 13-2. and If that was their record right now and Josh Richardson was playing, there would not be a lot to complain about with Josh Richardson playing. But here's the thing I have. Does this look like a championship-level team at all? No. Does this look like a team that could make a run in the postseason at all? No. So this is what I come back to with Imei Adoka. I don't understand why don't they play the young guys more? Why don't they play Aaron Smith more? He played 11 minutes tonight in a game that, again, you're shorthanded. Jalen Brown is not playing again. Why don't you give the younger players on this team an opportunity? I don't understand it. You're 7-8 and on the season. You're not a good basketball team. You have got to find out what you have with these guys, with a guy like Aaron Smith, Heck, I'd give Romeo Lankford more run. He played 14 minutes tonight. I would let those guys play more to find out what you have with the team because clearly the veterans you're throwing out there, the Josh Richardsons of the world, it's not working. And I know Grant Williams had a good game tonight. He finished with 18 points, but I've seen enough of Grant Williams. I believe we know what he is as a player, and I get it's a different position. But when you spend a lottery pick, exactly the same pick, right? 14th and 14th, and Aaron Neesmith and Romeo Lankford, don't you want to find out what you have with those players long-term? That's what I'd be doing right now if I was Ema Adoka, and you're searching for shooting. Neesmith is supposed to be a shooter. Why don't you have that guy play more? It doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. It's one of the most irritating things about watching this team is you're watching a group of players that is not good enough to win at a high level, and what are they building towards? We know Tatum's trying to become a superstar-level player in this league. Same thing with Jalen Brown when he comes back from the injury. But what is this team building towards right now? The current roster is not good enough to win at a high level. So why don't you at least find out, hey, do we have a future in a guy like Aaron Smith? The Celtics have to come to the realization, they have to come to the harsh reality that they're not good right now. And they got to think about what's in the best interest of not the 2021-2022 Celtics, but what is best for the long-term view of this team. If you're going to do anything this year, you clearly got to pick up another shooter, another guy that can score. Because think about tonight's lineup that you have tonight. That was redundant. But think about the guys out there. You have Jason Tatum and Dennis Schroeder. Those are the only two guys on the team tonight that are capable of getting their own shot and scoring at a high level. And Dennis Schroeder is not even an efficient player. He's never been an efficient player. I know he's had a couple of big games, but that's it. You have two guys that can create offense. I know Marcus Smart can pass a bit, but he's not somebody that beats you off the dribble. So you're worried about one guy on the Celtics when Jalen Brown is out of the equation. It's just not a good enough team from an offensive perspective. And clearly at the trading deadline, that should be an emphasis with Brad Stevens, a guy that I would be talking I would be calling Eric about Eric Gordon already because. Eric Gordon can shoot threes. He can get to the basket. He plays good defense as well. That's the guy that I'd be going after just to help Tatum and Brown. Even when Brown comes back, you still don't have enough offense. Remember, the Celtics had a 104.6 offensive rating with Jalen Brown. That's their same offensive rating they've had without him. They have not had a good offensive rating with or without Jalen Brown. A, the system is not good and B, you don't have a good good enough stable of shooters and guys that can create for themselves and others. And that's the issue going forward with this team is it's an eyesore. I can't. It's very difficult to watch. You watch them play defense, it's great. It's not like they're not buying into the coach. They play hard for the coach. They do. They play hard on the defensive side of the ball for Ime Adoka. I'm not denying that whatsoever. He's clearly gotten through to the guys. But you watch this team on offense, it's night and day. You watch them on defense, they're all over the place. They're flying around. It's great. There's a ton of energy. You watch him on offense, it's like, is anybody going to move? Okay, Tatum tried to do something. All right, Dennis Schroeder tried to do something. Oh, maybe Al will set a pick for Dennis Schroeder. Other than that, I don't know what they're doing. There's no rhythm to anything they're doing from an offensive perspective. So if you want to weigh in on the Celtics, certainly welcome to do so. 617-779-7937, the number. The other thing that I would say just briefly about the Celtics, and I want to get to Mac Jones and the Patriots in just a second here, is – The idea of apathy setting in with this team with the fan base, I believe that is incredibly real because they don't play a fun style of basketball. It's not like they're getting up and down the court or anything along those lines. They don't run. They have no offensive system whatsoever. They basically play like 90s virgin basketball. They're a good defense, and it's like a rock fight every night to try to win a game. And some nights they play really well from a defensive perspective, and they lose. And we've seen that on multiple occasions. This year, But because the brand isn't incredibly intriguing to watch and because it feels like now this team's on the downside of what they were doing. This is a team that made a run to the Eastern Conference Finals just two years ago. And it seems like they are so far away from that version of themselves. I don't know how you're going to get the fan base to buy in. Now, you're still going to have the diehard green teamers, if you will. They're going to watch in each and every night. But I really do fear for this team. That people are going to lose interest because they don't do anything that's incredibly fun to watch right now. And considering the fact that the best player on the team is having a piss-poor season from a shooting perspective. As I said, Tatum shot the ball better tonight, but because Tatum isn't playing particularly well this season, they are going to lose fans this season in terms of from an interest level. You look at a team like the Red Sox, right, in 2020, in the pandemic-shortened season, they lost interest because the team sucked. There wasn't a whole lot to watch. Remember, the pitching staff, nobody knew who those guys were. But this season, as they started to play better, everybody came back, and it was must-see TV watching the Red Sox this season because they had all those comebacks at the beginning of the season. Evaldi had a Cy Young-caliber year, although he only finished fourth, which is a joke. The baseball writers don't know how to interpret advanced numbers. But nonetheless, that's that's neither here nor there. But the point being, the Red Sox had a product that was interesting to us. And you knew, okay, this is a surprise and it's going somewhere. Well, the Celtics have, A, underachieved at the beginning of the season, and, B, they don't put out an intriguing product. That's the issue they're going to have for the remainder of the season. But I do want to pivot to the Patriots for a second here because it does feel like not just from a local standpoint but from a national landscape, if you will, that the Mac Jones hype is getting to a really, really high level. And I'm not saying Mac Jones doesn't deserve it because he clearly does. He came into a team where... Last year, the quarterback was just absolutely atrocious. And I know everybody wanted to make excuses for him because he didn't have the weapons, etc. Fine, whatever. But we all went through that crap last year with Cam Newton and the offense being just horrible to watch for the majority of the year. couple games that you had with the Ravens, that was a fun game to watch. The first game that Cam played against the Dolphins, yeah, that was intriguing. But you didn't have a lot of intriguing games last year. And now you're bringing a, a quarterback like Mac Jones, and he's completely... Change the perception of the organization. Because if you think about it, just going back to prior to the season, and really when they were 2-4, and four, it was, oh, well, what's Tom doing? What's Brady doing right now in terms of, okay, they just won a Super Bowl, and Brady, remember, the first, like, six games of the season, he was at a pace to break Peyton Manning's record for touchdown passes in a season. He was playing at an all-time level. Last two weeks not so good for the Buccaneers. But it feels like to me, and maybe you disagree with me when it comes to this, but it feels like to me... We're sort of getting a little bit of distance between Tom Brady and the Patriots. Not to say that Brady doesn't hold the belt right now because he just won the Super Bowl over Bill. I'm not saying anything along those lines, but it does feel like for the first time in a long time, we're having legitimate conversations about the Patriots that don't revolve around Tom Brady. Because that's what happened all of last year. That's what happened all of the offseason. season. That's what happened for the first month or so of this season when Tom Brady was playing at an all-time level. Of course, he did come to New England, and that was a close game and all that, but it felt like Tom Brady was the topic of conversation for so long. Like, Just imagine if this man in the arena that he put out, if this came out last season during the Cam Newton year where the Patriots sucked, if it came out that year, the Tom Brady man in the arena would have been a much bigger talking point. Here, on the radio, we would have been talking about that a whole lot. I haven't even watched it. I don't care to watch it. I'm not excited to watch it whatsoever. And it, this isn't me, like, disliking Tom Brady. I've always liked Tom Brady. I always will like Tom Brady. It's nothing to do with that. It's just the fact that there's not interest level in Tom Brady right now in terms of the local level as there has been in the past. We used to all want to know what Tom Brady was doing all the time, what Tom Brady was doing with the Buccaneers, right? I don't even find myself now when the Buccaneers are on. I'm not compelled to watch it. I'm not. And I was all of last year and I was not the beginning of this year. But now this storyline has become not only a local narrative, but it's become a narrative nationally where the Patriots are now must see television again. The Patriots are now a huge story where if you watch anything like first take or anything along those lines, the Patriots are one of the biggest topics nationally right now. Because now Bill Belichick, it seems like, okay, he's got his swagger back and he's found his quarterback. And the thing about Mac Jones is this. Last week was, from my perspective, I gave you some of the numbers last night, his most impressive performance of the season. Because he played against a good defense now. Give Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick a lot of credit for scheming things up. But he was 19 of 23. He had the three touchdowns. I know he didn't throw for 200 yards, but watch some of the passes that he made in that game. The Hunter Henry pass, the Kendrick Bourne pass. He was absolutely ridiculous. So Mac Jones solved an issue when the opposition stacks the box he needed to prove he could beat it. He did it last week. So that was the big step because it did feel like for those two weeks, the Chargers, the Panthers, it did feel like there was a little bit of a plateau with Mac. Not to say that that meant I was down on Mac Jones. It just felt like he had kind of plateaued a bit and he needed to take that step forward. All season long, we've been hearing analysts in the NFL, the Dan Orlowski's of the world, the Boomer Esiason's of the world, hyping up Mac Jones. And I understand he deserves a lot of credit for being able to step in, and now this team is 6-4 and on the season, and they've won four games in a row. He he deserves a lot of credit for that. But here's the thing I would lay out to you that's about to happen after tomorrow night's game. The Patriots are going to absolutely smack the Falcons. The Falcons suck. That's a bad football team. I know they're 4-5. and Kelvin Ridley, of course, left the team. He's dealing with issues right now where he had to leave the organization for a while. And basically, their only weapon on offense is Kyle Pitts. They have Cordero Patterson as well, but he's banged up a little bit. They cannot run the ball. And from a defensive perspective, they're absolutely atrocious. Okay? So this is why I say this Mac Jones hype is going to get even bigger. Because everybody in the country is going to be watching a Thursday night football game now that the Patriots are a story again. The Patriots are a draw in the NFL which means everybody's going to be watching Thursday night football, even though a lot of people hate Thursday night football. They're going to watch because at least this game, this Thursday night, there's an intriguing factor, which is, oh, Bill Belichick and the Patriots are back. They're a legitimate bona fide contender in the AFC. Oh, and they got this new quarterback. And if you look at the matchup for Mac Jones, it's very advantageous. You look at some of these numbers with the Falcons, 17.9% pressure rate. That is dead last in the NFL. They don't get after the quarterback. 11 sacks on the season. You guessed it. That's last in the NFL. 106.5 opposing passer rating. That is 31st, rather, in the NFL. So you get the idea. The Falcons defense is bad. Mac Jones, the hype train for Mac Jones. It's getting bigger and bigger by the day. More people are jumping on the Mac Jones bandwagon from a national perspective. The analysts, et cetera. They continue to hype up Mac Jones. Well, what's going to happen on Friday after Mac Jones throws for what? Let's say 275, 300 yards. He's going to complete like 75 to 78% of his passes based on the numbers we're looking at right now with the Atlanta Falcons. He's going to be the victorious quarterback where his team probably is going to win something like 31 to 14 or 31 to 17. This is not going to be a close game. And the Mac Jones hype train, that's going to be the storyline on Friday nationally, not just here locally, but Mac Jones is going to be the story nationally on Friday. Oh, Bill Belichick found his next guy. Now people are already leaning that way, but after everybody in the country, gets that opportunity to watch it tomorrow night on national television, it's going to become an even bigger storyline. And now if you really look at it across the NFL right now, who is a bigger storyline than the Patriots? They're a bigger storyline right now than Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. The Cowboys are always going to be the Cowboys, but the Patriots are a more intriguing storyline. We've seen the Aaron Rodgers story before. He's an MVP caliber player. We saw him come back last week, and they beat the Seahawks 17 to nothing. The Bills, they came into their own last year. And I know they won last week, but they had lost the previous week. But overall, we know what the Bills are. The Bills are supposed to be this legitimate contender, which I, quite frankly, I still believe they are. The Rams were supposed to get all these guys. They got Vaughn Miller. They got Odell Beckham Jr. Well, they go out on Monday night and they lay an egg against the San Francisco 49ers. So you tell me, nationally, what is a bigger storyline right now? than Mac Jones and the Patriots. And if Mac Jones does what I believe he's going to do tomorrow night, based on the opposition that he's going up against, the Atlanta Falcons, that hype, that storyline, that narrative is only going to grow bigger. And Mac Jones has the opportunity. It's the perfect matchup for Mac Jones. He's going to have all the time in the world tomorrow to throw the football. I don't know if he still eats those cookies. Remember, there was apparently like a big snack of Mac Jones, but his girlfriend ate cookies before they went to bed. Well, if they still do that, Mac Jones got to have time in the pocket tomorrow to eat a cookie before he throws the ball because the Panthers, or rather the Panthers, the Falcons don't have anybody that can get after the quarterback.
0: they are throwing cookies right on the middle.
2: Yeah, there we go. Alex Corey, he's going to be watching the game as well. All right. So if you want to weigh in the Celtics, their debacle that is certainly on the table at 617, 779, 793.7. I shouldn't even say debacle, it's just this is who they are. They're not a very good team. I didn't expect them to beat the Hawks, and I don't think a lot of you did, but this offense continues to be a concern. What should Eme Adolka do? Do you agree with me that they should start to play Aaron Neesmith more? Enough of the Josh Richardson thing. He's fine. He's okay defensively, but he can't shoot. Might as well get some shooting out there. You have enough good defensive players. You don't need Richardson on the floor. I don't understand why the guy plays so much, but I also want to get to, and if you want to wait on the Patriots, you can as well, but I also want to get to this. When will Bill Belichick, start to get redemption for the Tom Brady move. We'll get into that next. 617-779-7937, the number. Brian Barrett with you on WEI.
0: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today
1: Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We're right back to what you want to hear. More of Brian Barrett on EEI.
0: All
2: right, a lot on the table. Are you starting to lose interest at all in the Celtics? Do you find yourself hate watching them more than actually enjoying them? Because this team has no hope at this particular point in time to make a run unless something completely changes in terms of the roster. Right now, they're a middling team. They're not a horrible team, but they're not a good team, which is basically the worst place to be in the NBA. That treadmill of mediocrity, you never want to be there. If you want to win on that, you certainly can. Plus, what do you expect from Mac Jones and the Patriots tomorrow night? 617 nine seven ninety three seven is the number. The other thing I wanted to get to is this. So, Bill Belichick has basically been roasted, ridiculed for, I would say, the better part of a year and a half for the move that he made to essentially get rid of Tom Brady. And I know ultimately, I don't know, rehash the whole thing, but Brady was forced. I know technically Tom left the organization, and Bill still deserves some blame for not getting a legitimate evaluation of Tom, right, because the roster was not great in 19. So if you watch 19, it Didn't look like the same Tom Brady. We would all agree with that, right? But clearly there was still something left in the tank because we saw what he did in 2020. He won a Super Bowl with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers where he had all those weapons. But so that happened. I'm not denying the reality of that situation playing itself out where Tom Brady went there and he won a Super Bowl. But when does Bill start to get at least some level of vindication, right? Because if Tom was back last year... The reality is the Patriots were not winning a Super Bowl. We could all agree, right, based on what the roster was. Now, would they have been better than 7-9? and nine? Yes. In all likelihood, they would have been in the postseason because Brady doesn't miss the postseason. So in all likelihood, even with a diminished roster, they're probably getting to the Super They're not getting the Super Bowl, They're probably getting to the playoffs because they have Tom Brady and not Cam Newton, who is one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. But where were you going? It wasn't like you were making some deep run. And so now when you look at it and you look at what Bill Belichick's been able to do, he found the next great Patriots quarterback. And this is what separates Bill Belichick and the Patriots from most of the other organizations in the league. Think about this right now. The team that the Patriots play tomorrow night, the Atlanta Falcons, you know who they took fourth overall in the draft? Kyle Pitts, the tight end, which, look, he may turn out to be a great tight end. He may turn, and he's already a really good player, and he's their number one weapon right now. And he was considered to be the can't-miss prospect in the draft. But would anybody right now argue that was the right move? Matt Ryan's a fine quarterback, but he's in his mid to late 30s. What's he, 36 right now? So he's on the back end of his career. The Falcons have the fourth pick in the draft. They're now 4-5 and in the season. Their draft pick this upcoming draft is going to be worse than the one they just had, obviously. And we've gone over this on several occasions. The quarterback class isn't good. Coming out of college right now, who's the number one guy? Matt Corral out of Ole Miss? The quarterback class sucks. It was supposed to be bad to begin with, and it's gotten even worse because some of these guys that were supposed to be big-time prospects have not turned out to be that. You think about Sam Howell. Spencer Rattler got benched at OU. He was supposed to be a big-time prospect, so the quarterbacks aren't there. So you look at what Bill Belichick and company did. They were at 15, and they knew, hey, these teams are stupid. Teams are not going to take quarterbacks They got their franchise quarterback with the 15th overall pick. And I know that technically Kyle Pitts is a better tight end coming out of the collegiate level than, of course, Mac Jones was a quarterback coming out of the collegiate level. But you have to factor in the importance of the position. So where are the Falcons? They're going to go into next offseason. They're going to miss out on the playoffs. And they're going to have Matt Ryan coming back at a huge number in terms of his salary. When are they going to find their next quarterback? Right? Bill Belichick, it took him a year. It took him a year to find the next guy, which is the most impressive part about this whole thing for me. You look at a team like the Denver Broncos right now. Think about this. Denver hasn't had a franchise quarterback since Peyton Manning. And it really goes further back than 15 with Manning because remember when they won that Super Bowl where Manning retired after the season? He sucked. Remember, he could barely throw the ball. The Patriots should have beat them in the AFC Championship game. Remember, Gaskowski missed an extra point, and then Brady couldn't find Gronk in that two-point conversion. But nonetheless, they had a great defense. I'm not trying to take away what Denver did. But the point being, after 15, they have not been able to find a quarterback. They went through the Mark Sanchez experience, the Trevor Simeon experience. Right now, they have Teddy Bridgewater as their quarterback. Not to say he's a horrible quarterback but he's not somebody that's ever going to be in the top 10 of the NFL in terms of playing that position. So you're talking about 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. You're talking about six seasons without having a franchise quarterback since Peyton Manning. It took Bill a year to find his. A year. He had one bad year with Cam Newton as the quarterback. It took him a year, and quite frankly, his team wasn't as bad as these other teams. The Broncos had what? The ninth pick in the draft. They didn't take a quarterback. You know why? Because some of these other organizations, they're dumb. Patrick Sertain may turn out to be one of the best corners in the league in two years. What's more important? The next great Denver Broncos quarterback or having a good corner? Makes zero sense. And I actually gave you the example last week with the Carolina Panthers. What the hell are they doing? That makes zero sense. You have the eighth pick in the draft. You coached Mac Jones at the Senior Bowl. Everybody linked... Mac Jones to the Panthers. Remember, Mike Tannenbaum said his floor, Mac Jones' floor was eight because Matt Rule loved him so much at the senior bowl that there, there's no way they pass on Mac Jones. They took a corner, J.C. Horn. And again, just like the Patrick Sertain point, J.C. Horn may turn out to be a really good player. But the problem is you didn't address the most important position. And even Belichick, who we all know, is a defensive-minded coach, right? We all know that. But Bill still realized at 15, I have a chance to get my next great quarterback. I need to get this guy at 15. He did it. How these other teams didn't take a quarterback, and it may not even have to have been Mac Jones, right? You think about Carolina and Denver, they could have taken Justin Fields or Mac Jones. Instead, they took neither. They decided to go with Teddy Bridgewater if you're Denver because you got him via trade from Carolina. And Carolina gets Sam Darnold. Think about that. Think about the thought process for some of these other teams in the NFL. You know what I'm going to go for? Another guy that sucked with the Jets. Let's bring him in here. We'll make him work for us. Okay, yeah, good idea. You know what? You know what we'd like in Denver? Let's get the quarterback that has been pretty good game manager type for a million years. We'll take him. Instead of, you know, rebuilding the organization. Every year he sucks. Yeah, let's go with that. It it makes zero sense to me whatsoever. So Bill deserves a lot of credit for that, for saying, okay, we need to find a guy. And maybe the year of Cam Newton sort of crystallized this for Bill, where, okay, I can't just win with any quarterback. And maybe he was, for lack of a better term, high in his supply. When you go back to, yeah, Jimmy G. Yeah, Jacoby Brissett. What did you go? Three and one on that stretch, the four games that Tom Brady didn't play. Maybe Bill felt like, okay, I can get Cam Newton, former MVP. I can get him in here, and I can rejuvenate his career. Clearly, that was not the case whatsoever. And clearly, you needed the right trigger man for this system, right? Because one of the biggest glaring issues with Newton a season ago was he just—he didn't deliver the ball on time. He wasn't an accurate passer. So that's why I feel like Mac Jones is the perfect quarterback for Belichick, right? Because he's not going to improvise. He's not going to change things in terms of—he's not the Pat Mahomes—and I'm not— comparing the players. I'm just saying, Pat Mahomes gets outside of the pocket. He makes things happen. He throws the ball down the field. Same thing can be said about a guy like Josh Allen. I'm not telling you that's not a good quarterback, because clearly Mahomes has been an MVP. He's been a Super Bowl MVP. He's won a Super Bowl. Josh Allen was in the MVP conversation last year, had an outstanding season. But that's not the type of player. We can tell. He's not the archetype that Bill Belichick wants. Cam Newton was the quarterback last year just because he was the only guy available, right? That was the guy available because Bill finally realized, like, holy crap, Stidham sucks. Remember, they were going to go into the season with Stidham and Hoyer, and then he realized, okay, yeah, Stidham sucks. Hey, let's let's take the chance with Cam. Let's see what Cam can do, and they find out, okay, yeah, geez, this guy really can't play, although Bill continued to defend him for the entirety of the season. But it just feels like this is the perfect type of guy. First of all, we all know Mac Jones is just, like, a ruthless competitor, right? We've seen that already throughout his small NFL career so far, his short NFL career, his 10 games at the NFL. But the other thing is this, Mac Jones, much like Tom Brady early on in his career, Bill Belichick can control the player where, okay, and Mac Jones says it all the time, you want every possession to end in a kick. That's like sex to Bill Belichick hearing that, like, oh, okay, he's not going to turn the football over, he's going to protect the ball and all this. So Bill can sort of build this thing up around Mac Jones. And one of the other things is this, yes, Belichick had failed in previous drafts. Okay, but we know that the last draft, you can't argue that anybody had a better draft than Bill. I mean, you can't argue. You can't give me an argument for somebody having a better draft than Bill did last year. He drafted his franchise quarterback. He drafted a stud running back, not to mention Christian Barmore. That's an absolute beast. You cannot tell me that somebody out there had a better draft than Bill Belichick did last season. There's no way around it. So with all those things, now think about this going forward. Bill has his quarterback for the next decade. So, getting back to the question about vindication for Belichick, does he have to win a Super Bowl for that to happen? If the Patriots, for the next however many years Belichick coaches the team, and even after Bill leaves, if they have the franchise quarterback and they're getting into the postseason every year, they're going to make the playoffs this year. They're getting in. It's just whether or not they're going to win the division or not. Remember, they still have two games left with Buffalo. So, it's the question now is, well, do they get there and are they – the team representing the AFC East, or are they the team that has to go on the road in the first round because they are the wild card, right? That, that's the only question. They're getting into the postseason. I don't know how you'd argue to the contrary. Look at the schedule. They are going to get into the postseason. But nonetheless, getting back to the original point, does Bill have to win a Super Bowl to be vindicated? I say no, because how many years does Brady have left? Maybe another two after this, at best? Any? And I'm not saying that Brady's fallen off. I'm not. Max Kellerman, but he hasn't played particularly well over the past couple of weeks. My bigger, broader point is this, though. If Bill Belichick leaves this organization, which eventually he will, with the franchise quarterback, isn't that sort of part of his legacy? So even if, okay, yeah, at the end, things did not go well with Bill and Tom, and Bill had that that four-year stretch, really, where he did not draft particularly well, and then Tom went off and won a Super Bowl. Well, if Bill has this team competing at a high level, and making runs, and then he leaves the next coach, whoever it is, Josh McDaniels, Steve Belichick, who knows? We we don't know who the next coach is going to be. Whoever the next coach of this team is, if he leaves that coach with, first of all, a good roster and a franchise quarterback, well, doesn't Bill kind of vindicate himself, especially if he makes a deep run at some point, and you lose in an AFC title game or you lose in a Super Bowl, isn't Bill somewhat vindicated? And it already seems like they're on the right path. And here's the other thing I would say. One of the counters to Bill that I've heard over the past couple of weeks is, well, he had all the money in free agency because he didn't draft well. I understand that. So they were able to go after the premium free agent. I understand that. But you can't compare this to, like, other teams that signed big-time free agents, right? Like, say, for example, a couple of years ago. Remember the Giants did this, and they made a run to one postseason in 16? That was the year that Odell Beckham Jr. took his uh, receivers to the boat in Miami. Remember that whole boat trip? The next year, They sucked. The year after that, they sucked. But you have to remember this. With those teams, and this is like the most fascinating part of the Patriots going forward. Not just this year, but into the future. With those teams, they were paying Eli Manning big money. Remember, they won the free agency, the Giants did. But they were paying Eli big money. The difference with the Patriots here is this. Mac Jones is on a rookie contract. The Patriots have a really good roster right now and they can continue to spend money going forward in off-seasons because of the fact they're not paying the quarterback. They're not going to pay Mac for the next five years. They're not going to pay him big. Well, I guess technically the fifth-year option is a relatively decent cap size number, but we'll see what the cap is at that particular point in time, right? Obviously, it's going to blow up. But nonetheless, just getting back to your original point, this is the most intriguing thing to me about Belichick and Mac Jones and the organization going forward. Bill is going to have so much flexibility with the roster because of the rookie quarterback. So even if like, you look at these contracts he just handed out, Judon obviously hit that out of the ballpark. Nobody could argue against that. He's in the defensive player of the year conversation right now and I give Fourier credit I mean I thought he was crazy when he said his floor is all pro and his ceiling is defensive player of the year he's actually right he's going to be an all pro we'll see if he's the defensive player of the year obviously Miles Garrett's going to have something to say about that although the Patriots basically neutralized him last, last week not not that it was Garrett's fault the guy was getting triple teamed and he complained about making no adjustments but nonetheless Aaron Donald's obviously going to be in the conversation Diggs, maybe in Dallas, will be in the conversation. I know he's a ton of picks, but the guy was horrible the past couple of weeks. But anyway, getting back to the original point, that's a contract that hit. Sorry, I'm getting sidetracked here. That's a contract that hit. Hunter Henry, that hit. And I know that his raw numbers aren't great in terms of the yardage, but I gave you the stat, 90% of his receptions this year have been touchdowns or first downs, 90% of them. He's had seven touchdowns in the past seven games. Pretty damn good, right? So that hit. Even if he's never a number one option, he's a number two option. That's for damn sure. And he's Mac Jones's bailout guy. Mac Jones depends on him in the th- on third down situations and in the red zone. So that's it. So if we say, now, Jonu Smith, there's still time there. But say Jonu Smith doesn't hit. Okay. Well, that's one of those contracts, right? Even if he misses Nelson Aguilar, that's a miss. Okay, that's fine because you hit on two of them. And those contracts are not going to kill you three years from now. That's the other thing about, like, Aguilar's contract's up after, what, the 2022 season? So it's not like he's there long term. So this is the thing about the flexibility. Now, last year you had flexibility because you didn't hit on a lot of draft picks. But going forward now, you have flexibility because you're not paying the quarterback. And I know that Brady, year after year, he took less money. But he was still getting a relatively high cap hit compared to what Mac Jones is going to be taking. So this is going to give Bill Belichick the ammunition to spend in the offseason. Here's the other portion of it. Now the Patriots are a story again. Now people are going to want to pay, play for the Patriots again. Not to say it's the same effect that Brady had, right? It's not like, oh, yeah, I'm going to the Patriots to play for less. But now you see this offense. Think about it. If you're a big-time free agent that's a weapon coming up in the next couple of years, well, the Patriots don't really have a, that number one option. Maybe you want to be the guy to go play with Mac Jones and the Patriots, and now that this team sort of has its swagger back. So that's the most fascinating thing to me about this team going forward is Bill's ability to to now continue to build rosters around a rookie quarterback. And the other element to that is this. If you look at it going forward, Belichick's last two drafts have been good. I mean, think about it. He drafted Duggar two years ago. Uche looks like a really good player as well. And uh, on when you, I know he's been up and down this year, but that was a hit in the draft. Obviously, three out of the four picks uh, in the first four rounds this year, massive hits. We'll see what Perkins is long-term. But anyway, you get the point. So he drafted well the past two years. He hit the Judon signing out of the park. The Hunter Henry signing was really good as well. Even if you say slightly overpaid, I wouldn't say that because he's helping your young quarterback grow as a player, right? So if you think about it, hitting hit in free agency last year, hitting in the draft the past two years. He can continue to do this for years to come in terms of the availability in terms of money he's going to be able to have going forward. All right, 617-779-7937 is the number. Brian Barrett with you up until midnight. So Keyshawn Johnson. Made an absolutely asinine comment responding to something that Mac Jones has said on Merloni and Fourier. We'll get to that next year on WEI. We're right back to it. This is Brian Barrett on EEI.
3: Mac, how, how confident is this locker room right, right now? It seems to be the buy in seems to be pretty high at this point. Yeah, I think. Um... I mean, we're confident, and we know what the formula is for, for winning the game, and um, we just have to continue to do that. We can't be satisfied with where we're at. We're not where we want to be, and we're going to continue to work every day. And this week's a quick week, and we got to be ready to go um, for the game on Thursday.
2: All right, so that was Mac Jones on with Lewin Christian earlier this week on Monday as he joins those guys every Monday at 2.30. So it feels like a very benign comment, doesn't it? We have the formula, but he was just saying we got to continue to work. Hard. Let's hear it one more time. So this is Mac Jones on with Lou and Christian.
3: Mac, how, how confident is this locker room right, right now? It seems to be the buy-in seems to be pretty high at this point. Yeah, I think um, I mean, we're confident and we know what the formula is for, for winning the game and um, we just have to continue to do that. We can't be satisfied with where we're at. We're not where we want to be and we're going to continue to work every day and this week's a quick week, and we got to be ready to go um, for the game on Thursday.
2: Okay, so during that soundbite, also he says we can't be satisfied; we have to continue to work. I don't see anything in there, or I should say, I don't hear anything there that seems like it's an arrogant statement or it's out of line from Mac Jones. He said we have the formula to win games. He wasn't saying, like, oh, we have the scheme to win each and every week. He's just saying, okay, we have the formula how to win. He didn't say what it was. He's probably, hey, don't turn the football over, don't make mistakes, be good on third down, et cetera, whatever it is. He's just saying we had a formula to win, and we can't be satisfied. we got to continue to work. Here's what Keyshawn Johnson thought about Mac Jones' comments.
3: Well, I can guarantee he won't be saying that anymore. The winning formula. What was wrong with that? The positive stuff? No, 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 no. no. What's the issue? Bill Belichick's the issue. Bill Belichick is going to tell him after that. We won't be hearing him talk about we're confident, we have a winning formula. No, Bill will see him in the hallway and tell him, what are you, the locker room spokesperson now? <laughs> like, that, watch what I tell you. You watch. I'm curious to see this. You won't, He'll be on the radio show the rest of the year <laughs> on his show, but you will not hear him utter not one of those words. You watch.
2: I don't understand what he's talking about. Does anybody think what Mac Jones said was out of line or unpatriot-like, if you will? The only person that's making a big deal about this is Keyshawn Johnson. Quite frankly, after listening to that interview on Monday, I didn't think anything. I didn't even think about the comment. Did you? Did you think about that after you heard Mac Jones say, we have the formula. We can't be satisfied. We got to continue to work hard. Did you think after he said that, oh, Bill's going to be pissed about this. Like, when I think about Bill Belichick getting pissed about what players say to the media, I think about Wes Welker before the game against the Jets in the postseason where he made all the foot jokes about about Rex Ryan. That's what I think about. When I think about asinine comments, when I think about ridiculous comments, when I think about comments that would get underneath Bill Belichick's skin, that's what I think about.
3: You want to make sure that uh, you you bring (laughs) your best foot forward out there. Can't be
2: satisfied with where we're at. We're not where we want to be. And... Yeah, very similar comments from Mac Jones and Wes Welker. I mean, really, I don't understand. Like, it feels like Keyshawn Johnson is making a big deal out of absolutely nothing. I don't so, know, you know if you he got just your
3: foot up in the air.
2: Yeah, I don't know if it was, and he isn't a big Mac guy, so I don't know if that's part of the equation. Maybe he's just not a big Mac Jones guy, so he's looking for things to pick on Mac Jones about. But really, I didn't. I don't. I guarantee you that nobody was driving around in their car. On Monday afternoon, listening to Lou and Christian talk to Mac Jones, I don't believe that anybody, the reaction out of that interview was, I can't believe he said that. The reaction out of that interview was, oh, Mac Jones is a child model? That's what he revealed the other day. They were just a model. We saw the pictures that they tweeted out from Lou and Christian's Twitter account, their show account, right? That was the reaction from the interview. I had no reaction whatsoever. In fact, I was thinking to myself because Mac Jones is such a robot when he talks at times, especially to the media when he's doing the press conferences. But I give Lou and Christian a lot of credit. They've been actually able to get some things out of him. I mean, Christian asking him that question the other day, what was your first job and what was your worst job? And he references the fact that his first job was doing stuff, yard work for his dad, where he schemed him to essentially give him money. And then he said his worst job was modeling being a kid model, that's the biggest thing I took. out, And I give them credit for getting that out of him because we don't see a whole lot of personality sometimes or hear a lot of personality with Mac Jones. When he said that thing about we had the formula, we can't be satisfied, we got to continue to work hard, I felt like that was just another Patriots answer. That was Mac the robot answering a question. I never thought, I cannot believe he said that.
3: I mean, oh, I used to be a child like model and actor or whatever.
2: Yeah, did you see him in that, by the way? He, I, I feel like he looks older there than he does now. Like, he looks older in the pictures when he's actually like modeling as a kid than he is right now. But anyway, just getting back to the original point as it pertains to Mac, I feel like that was a fine answer. I don't know if Keyshawn's just caught up on saying we have the formula. It wasn't an arrogant statement to say I'm sure what Mac meant by that is all right, what we did the other day is we didn't turn the football over. I was 19 of 23 basically saying I completed a high percentage of my passes. We ran the ball with efficiency. We were really good on special teams, and we were really good on defense. That's what he was saying is we had the formula. We played good defense. We were good in the passing game. Not that they threw for a whole lot of yards, but situationally, they were really good. They were good in the red zone, which is something they've been struggling with all season long in terms of when they get in the red zone, they got to finish it off, and they were able to do that the other day. That's what he was pointing to. He wasn't saying, oh, we have the formula, and now we can destroy the rest of the NFL. That's not what he was saying. It wasn't an arrogant statement by Mac Jones. It wasn't like the – remember the Warriors – owner a couple of years ago when he said we're light years above or around uh, above the rest of the league, we're light years ahead of everybody. It wasn't that type of statement. It wasn't LeBron James saying, like, yeah, that made me the best player of all time when he won in the bubble. It wasn't anything like that. He's just saying we had a formula. It's a winning formula. It's a winning formula when you do everything well on special teams. You play really good defense. You don't let up a point after the opening drive of the game for the Cleveland Browns, and your offense basically scores every time they get the football. That's what he was saying. We had the formula to win the game. The formula was play good offense, play good defense. Mohel, nobody thought anything about that until he made those comments. All right, is the number. Brian Barrett with you up until midnight. If you want to weigh in on Mac Jones' comments, do you think they were out of line? Also, what do you expect from the Patriots against the Falcons tomorrow night? Do you agree with me that this is going to be another blowout and the Mac Jones hype is going to get even stronger going forward? Also, I want to get to this. Fenway Sports Group is buying the Pittsburgh Penguins. I don't have an issue with it. I don't understand why people do. We'll get to it next here on WEI. T-Mobile has
0: invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today.